How's it going? It's good. And getting into the uh, where are we going to live brain mode that you were in six months ago. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you think you're going to end up in the same place I ended up, which is where we already live? Or are you actually going to move? Well, yes to both, probably. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the This week has been, or even just today, has been the like, okay, Vancouver... I mean, I have been pretty stubborn about staying close to town and having a short commute. Right. But I'm now starting to consider oh, alternative oh. distances. Are you looking at the at the subs, the burbs, the well, suburbs? There, we have one like suburb that is like medium distance away. It's like a half uh-huh. an hour away. That What's it called? It's called New Westminster. please 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 move to new westminster (laughs) you already know several people there Uh uh-huh and then we would be able to very easily celebrate anvil day the anvil day yeah yeah fun fact we have been doing fun fact for a year. What? 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 An entire year. I didn't think that was going to happen. It didn't seem... Well, yeah, I mean, either. <laughs> <laughs> we agreed to try... Did we say 10 episodes? I don't remember. I feel like that might have. That might be. We're like, let's get into it. Because you can't just... Especially with a show that, you know, is on uh, this, this uh, you know, different schedules and stuff like that. We wanted to really be sure we knew what we had. Yeah. We did a pre-episode... We did. We did. The greatest episode. Yeah, the greatest episode that was not worth listening to. And then we got the 26 (laughs) episodes that are up, and this is number 27 for an every other week show. Yeah. I mentioned to Karen, it's like, we've done, we're one year, 26 episodes. And she's like, 26? I would have said 10. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a compliment. Does that mean she's only listened to 10 of them? No, she's, I think she's listened to all of them. But it may be just, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Time flies. Time really does fly. Like, to me, to think about the fact that it's been a year seems impossible. I feel like I was just talking about my broken windshield. Like So many facts. So many corners. So many corners. Yeah. It's so true. We've found so many corners. Yeah. year. So we're that means we're officially entering year two. We're entering year two. Yeah. And so... Do we have an, we have an announcement for year two, don't we? Well, yeah. So for year two, or at least for the beginning of year two, again, we will try... <laughs> We yeah. tried doing what we did, and it yeah. ended up going for a whole year. Um, yeah. But we're going to try a different schedule. We've been doing every other week. The Devil's Bi-Weekly. Which has been great and lots of fun, especially the recording part. The editing part, less fun, but important. But important, yeah. yeah. And I just feel like we, if we want to keep bringing everyone out there in Fun Factor land, the same quality of edit, I'm not sure that Bi-Weekly really matches with, with our lives right now. With the pots on the boil. Yeah. I mean, as the fun factors know, I am the parent of a newborn and it is, turns out, a lot of work. Yeah. And plus, like, you're the CEO of Netflix and... Plus, me and Reed Hastings are now co-CEOs, <laughs> co-CEOs of Netflix. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you announced here on this show right now. That I announced here and will be seen. No, don't look it up. It's just true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't need to look it up. <laughs> I've edited my LinkedIn already. And Wikipedia. Which and was just reverted, yeah. but we've put it back again. We'll get oh, a we bot put it back. I just, I have a bot. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we're going to switch to a year, a yearly. We're going to switch <laughs> to a monthly. <laughs> this is the only episode for The now, editing is t- really time consuming. Yeah. So we actually have two announcements. We're going to switch. First of all, we're going to switch to a monthly cadence. 
Mm-hmm. What's that? And then the other announcement is that I am bad at counting because I'm tired. Well, well, yeah. I mean, we. I think we've accomplished that in other episodes. That's true. I remain very tired. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna do that, and uh, you know, we just want to say thank you to everyone who have supported us in year one. It's been really, really rewarding, and we really want to keep the show going, and hopefully we can eventually get to a faster cadence again, or at least the one we were on, but right now this is, it's kind of a choice between this and not doing it anymore, and both of us really want to keep doing yeah. it. Maybe one day we'll do like a like a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe, not GoFundMe, what's the other, a Patreon or something? Patreon, yeah. Maybe someday we should do a Patreon, yeah. Yeah, like a bring fun fact back to the ambitious schedule of every other week. <laughs> <laughs> Only with your money, which we yeah. need as two software developers. Which, which we, need. we need so badly. Uh, uh, yeah. So, all okay. Right. So, yeah. that. But it'll be good. I'm looking forward to keeping it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it'll be, it'll be, it'll continue to be fun. Do you know that the top four friends of the show, the Arments, top four, the Arments, uh, that's a monthly show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's actually okay. part of what gave me the idea. It was like, oh, that, hey, that can be done. Yeah. That's a great show. Everyone should listen to that. Back in the day, Debug. Guy English is once upon a time excellent. I think it might be coming back. I've heard rumors. I don't, I don't yeah. think there's anything been announced. I would be very excited. That's a great show. No, I'd have just but seen once upon a time it was a monthly rumblings show. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they've been public rumblings. I think it's yeah. The public rumblings are like anyone want to be on de- debug. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when when Guy asked that, I felt like it meant that we might be getting more debug. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to start with a quick one. Oh, okay. All right. Like I accumulate these little ones, but then I never feel like. There's a spot for them. Now it's a spot. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact. If you want to be able to quickly type certain emoji, all uh-huh. you need to do is set them up as autocorrects. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So that's you, a good, that's a good piece of advice. Yeah. So you, if you go, if you're like on an iPhone, you can do this on the Mac too. If you're on an iPhone, you can go to general keyboard text replacement, and then you could tell it, for example, to correct colon star colon like the word star yeah with a star emoji and then when you do that when you start even typing colon star it'll actually autocomplete and be like hey do you want to type this emoji and then uh bam okay yeah because without that autocomplete part that seems more work than just typing the emoji yeah because you can on a mac especially you get the little keyboard shortcut on the phone sometimes typing certain emoji or get act finding certain emoji in the keyboard is pretty tedious well if they're not in your common yeah like commonly used yeah yeah if it falls out of common like when i need one of the ones that i like isn't in my common like it is quite a pick and hunt i really wish an adventure into the jungle yeah it's really really ridiculous (laughs) you gotta get some kind of guide yeah you know yeah so you can do that. I got a few, I got like the thumbs up, specific mm. facial expressions that can be hard to find. You should post, a, <laughs> if you're comfortable, <laughs> you should post a list of these corrections because the facial ones sound like they'd be fun to see what you chose for your <laughs> shortcuts. Okay. Okay. I'll accept that challenge. It, it's I, up to you. Yeah. I don't want to put no pressure. I find that uh, it's also important to be able to have like certain things that are just annoying to type that aren't emoji like mm-hmm. for star ratings like sometimes you want to say something is three stars but like okay. to do the little filled in and not filled stars to like create a three star asterisks thing do you do that a lot well sometimes i don't, <laughs> I don't think i've ever done that yeah probably because it's a lot of work but if they're yeah. autocompletes, if you just not go colon three stars what are you rating 
<laughs> a comment oh really okay yeah. i'm glad eh, you never rated any of my comments <laughs> well i mean you would be four star commented at least normally four out of 20 well, scales of... relative you know what i like i think this I is don't... underrated okay. this is fun fact a four okay. star rating is better than a five star rating like a scale as a scale because okay. if you rate something out of four stars disagree you have to you have to make a decision is it better than average or is it worse than average and See, that's that, the interesting that's, that's a that's not the way i look at it otherwise everybody just rates everything three stars and it's no nothing means anything because i use the netflix the former not and not because i work there i use the former netflix rating system the thumbs up or thumbs down no the former netflix rating system <laughs> when they had stars wasn't that that was a five-star system it was a five-star but they if you hovered over the stars it told you what each star meant oh what did it call them so one star was hated it. Mm-hmm. Two stars was didn't like it. Okay. Three stars was liked it. Four stars was really liked it. And five stars was loved it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I rate everything. Three stars is liked it. Hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a difference between I people... liked it, I really liked it, and I loved it. <laughs> you should, those people, should, the people who rate three stars as liked it should have a conversation with the, like, yeah, the lift people where you rate somebody four stars they're gonna get fired yeah yeah yeah. i mean the, the funny the, the funniest part is like there's these aggregator services for for ratings for video games or movies and stuff and they have to aggregate sites that do five star ratings with sites that do 10 star ratings and the dumb way that most of them do it is they just double the five star ratings so two stars is the lowest you can but that do. means that a three out of five becomes a 60 percent, which is like no definitely okay. not what yeah that's a fair means. three out of five if i'm giving something oh yeah that's interesting it converts weirdly because to me three yeah. out of five is like 50 percent, but 60 percent to me not not others but for that's you. fresh right yeah totally that's well like also like three if, and a half i mean I don't, I don't think three out of five for me like three out of five in a in a out of 10 scale would probably be a seven Three to five in a ten scale. Yeah, I yeah, I'd be like six and a half. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's okay. I'm, I got to think about this. And one. a two definitely wouldn't be a four. No, two is worse than four. It's like thirty five percent. And then a one. But then is there? You give a zero or one is the bottom of the yeah, scale. It just doesn't. They don't match up. It was like that game. Do <laughs> you ever heard of big rigs over the road racing? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is taking a turn. Wait, so, yeah. fun fact. I had facts I wanted to do, but they're never. They're, it's just an all-Allen fun fact, everyone. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> the worst game of yeah. modern times. Nope. <laughs> big rigs over the road racing. I don't believe... I think there are other competitors. Well, it depends what you're defining as modern times, because, like, Desert Bus or E.T. Like, what's modern This is times? newer. This is newer. So, this is a 2003 game. So of the millennium, the worst game of the millennium is Big Rigs Over the Road Racing. Okay. So this is a game that was released in 2003. It's a PC racing game where you are a big rig. Okay. That sounds like fun. That sounds good, right? It's a good start. So I'm going to send you it. Yeah. Like a Transformers game. This is the box art. This is what it looks like. And of course, this looks like. That looks fun. Yeah. There's a badass rig. 18 Wheels of Thunder. 18 Wheels of Thunder says right on the box beside pc cd rom yeah <laughs> so you're gonna race a big rig but uh yeah. this game was made a little bit hastily uh and so there was a few bugs that made its way into the release so for example um when you start driving off the line your opponent that you're racing against does not do so okay so they just stay at the starting line for and then you just 
it seems like it makes it easier to win. You just drive. It makes it a little easier. Yeah, it's fairly difficult to lose <laughs> the game. But there are some things ways you can lose. For example, if you just drive off the edge of the of the map and then yeah. just fall into oblivion, just fall forever. Yeah, because there's no like walls or edges. Sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's also some other things that you can get you in trouble. Like um, if you try to drive like. Into, across some object, for example, like a bridge over a river, the yeah. bridges don't have any collision detection, so you just drive right through the bridge. <laughs> um, but then that's mitigated by the fact that you can then just drive down the side of the canyon and then back up the other side without losing any velocity. <laughs> okay, that's convenient. Uh-huh, yeah, so then maybe those two yeah. things cancel out. The, my favorite bug in Big Rigs uh-huh. over the road racing is that they made a like very... A, a, a bug that any programmer can relate to, which is that they made the speed cap, like when you're speeding, you're accelerating, you get to a certain max speed. It is only considers forward speed. Mm. So if you go into reverse... You can just keep going faster forever. You can go faster and faster and faster, which is particularly amusing as a giant big rig um, that you can just be going hundreds of kilometers an hour backwards uh, until you go off the edge of the map. Yeah. That's like one, two miles an hour, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fast. <laughs> but I love that we're back in Alan Presents Opinions as Facts corner. It's one of my favorite <laughs> corners. But I will say that Metacritic did, did give this game 8 out of 100. 8 out of 100, bad. yeah, which is why <laughs> it's I... pretty bad. Uh, this is why I, I brought this all up, is that there was a website, Xplay, which obviously not one of the most important video game rating sites, but is important... W- to note in this context because their scale went from one to ten uh but then they had to modify the website in order to give it a zero mm, okay you know, which the previously was not supported that's how how bad it was it has wow. the lowest re- score ever on GameSpot, which is 1.0 which they call abysmal that's worse yeah. than didn't like it yeah um so yeah and to this day it's still the only 1.0 on GameSpot. i'm also gonna have to send you the screen what happens when you win which you can't not do <laughs> because your opponents don't drive it says your winner like you apostrophe re winner space exclamation mark by the way that the the game big rig off the road racing is not the lowest score on metacritic from the millennium so i think that does oh what's the lowest video game score on metacritic as far as I could quickly search it's family party 30 great games obstacle arcade (laughs) okay (laughs) which came out in 2012 for the Wii U and has a one it has a one out of 1.1 out of 100 now this says it has 11 out of 100 which is which and that sounds so bad the lowest then it says that's the lowest score on the website which we just said that the other game had an eight so I don't know not really sure the internet is lying to me I feel According to Wikipedia, Family Party 30 Great Games Obstacle Arcade, the criticism target is design, games, controls, and voice acting. So just, just those yeah. aspects of the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, incredible. I don't even yeah. remember what the fact that we're on is, but I, I, whatever it was, I'm know. glad we're on it. I'm glad that we are where we are. Big Rig definitely has an eight, so I, I'm going to bow down and say that you might be right. That might be the worst game of the millennium. Also, I want to be very clear. You refer to it as Big Rigs Off the Road Racing, which is yeah. what ends up the game actually how it goes. But the title of the game is Big Rigs Over the Road, implying that okay. you're supposed to attempt to, to, to drive on the road. But yeah. then, you know, the collision system does not actually it. enforce that. Yeah, You just get over it. 
<laughs> it's all right yeah can i talk about a fun fact that does not relate to any of this stuff <laughs> i think that's for the best Please. i think that would be good but actually i really feel like there is a segue to be had maybe we can figure one out after i do it fun fact the original tron wasn't nominated for best visual effects at the oscars because the academy thought using computer generated graphics was cheating mm. hmm. yeah they were yeah. in for some bad news <laughs> on the visual effects front <laughs> yeah this fact was suggested to me by a friend of the show ryan gallagher he runs the phenomenal criterion cast website excellent and i do think we need to take the fact with a some grains of salt mm. because the only proof of this fact i could find is a quote from the writer and director of the original tron so maybe biased as to why yeah, he didn't he, get a he said yeah. quote we used computer-generated imagery as an actual environment, which hadn't been done at that point. We did all those effects in about seven months, which included inventing the techniques the Academy thought we cheated by using computers. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's wrong, but it does seem like a somewhat self-serving you know, source. I will say that at the 55th Academy Awards, the only nominees for the best visual effects were Blade Runner, Poltergeist, and E.T. Well, uh, what one? And uh, E.T. won. Yeah... Also, also worth noting that in 1982, Conan the Barbarian, The Dark Crystal, The Thing, and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan all were released, and none of them were nominated. And that seems weird, as well as Tron, of course. It's hard to put, like for me, judging a movie from that time, it's easy to be like, do I enjoy it now? But to be like, were the special effects impressive is way harder for me to manage. Like, I think for the time, Tron was considered like unbelievably impressive. I think now it's... I mean, I tried to, if you try to watch the original Tron, I, I mean, <laughs> sorry to anyone out there who's like a Tron stan. I, I didn't see it at the time. And when I watched it many years later, I was like, this is one of the most boring, <laughs> slow, tedious movies I've ever seen. But I think for the time, like those were some of the people were just like, how is this even possible? These graphics? Yeah. Well, people I mean, uh, the context golfing. of that, I mean, you know, I'm thinking of E.T., which I think of it like, okay, the, when I think of the special effects. Yeah. How is E.T.? The puppet. There's one special effect, but like it's like this is post. I mean, like ET is a more convincing. ET is post Star Wars. It's post Star Wars. So yeah, how does Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan not even get nominated? What? This is what I'm saying to you. There's the bicycle across the moon thing. That's a pretty like iconic special effect. But if you're but if puppets are your thing, like how does the Dark Crystal not get nominated? I haven't seen the Dark Crystal. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, you should definitely see it. There's also a new sequel to it on Netflix. Yeah, but you should, I saw I know that. You should definitely see it. I mean, do you like that Jim Henson? Did you like Labyrinth? Do you like that style? I find it, like, I'm I'm amused by it. I find it kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Dark Crystal's fun. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think it's like a, a phenomenal movie, but it's really fun. And the special effects are ridiculously impressive. It's like Uncanny Valley puppetry. Yeah, they're super impressive. Like, I just... Like ET, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Blade Runner, fair enough. Poltergeist, fair enough. I can imagine, like, like, in 1982, watching ET and being so enamored with it, you want to give it more awards. And you just want to award it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it for sure did. But like, it just seems crazy to me. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I uh, I have never seen the new Tron, like the me neither more recent one. But the soundtrack was so good that I. I like the idea of seeing it and enjoying it, but then I also worry that I would make it would make me like the soundtrack less. So at one point at Disney's California Adventure, there was a Tron related disco, like outdoor disco. Okay. 
And I think they only played that soundtrack there, and it was pretty cool. So yeah, that'd be cool. That's my that. main exposure to. Why do you know about? Why were you listening to the soundtrack of Tron if you haven't seen Tron? Because when Tron soundtrack came out, then yeah. on my Twitter feed there were approximately nine hundred ninety nine people saying, "Oh my god, the Tron soundtrack is my jam." Oh, it was it was Daft Punk that made it. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta. That's you gotta, why you gotta hook yourself up with some Tron soundtrack if you're not knowing about it. I don't know about it. It's good programming music. You know what? And I say that, but I do like listening to the music from the movie Drive, and I've never seen Drive. Do you like Daft Punk at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. So imagine like Daft Punk, but then they like pull back and were more a little like not ambient in the genre ambient, but like a little bit more of a soundscape. So you could like really focus in, and it's good. Check it out. I mean, the original Tron was the soundtrack was done by Wendy Carlos, who, if you don't know who that is, she was an absolute innovator in electronic music. She mm. helped the development of the Moog synthesizer. She, oh, I love the Moog synthesizer. Yeah, she made the the seminal Switched On Bach album, which really like created like she she won three Grammy awards for it. I mean, she was she was actually she was also one of the first public figures to come come forward with the fact that she had gone through gender reassignment surgery. Mm. She did the score to Clockwork Orange and The Shining. Like, she's really impressive. So the Daft Punk definitely had, like, a high bar to get to. True. Well, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that they did take that bar, but it sounds like uh, there's some big shoes to fill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, any further? Any further? Tron-related? Tron-related? No. no. Yeah. I just think it's, it's, it's pretty crazy that, I mean, I, can you imagine if today they would only, I wish that, kind of wish that they had not changed their mind on that. And then it was still like... Is it no computer chat graphics allowed? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and the best graphics like, goes to <laughs> the Downton Abbey film. Yeah, the yeah, only exactly. movie that didn't do computer graphics <laughs> in this entire award season. Yeah, it's like, does that include color grading? Yeah. Like what, like it's, <laughs> it's just like it becomes like indie, indie ro- like romantic yeah. comedies yeah. just yeah. dominate the category. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, eventually you just yeah. kind of have to give in. The march of time. Yeah. So what 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 should have the segue been from big rigs over the road racing? Speaking of racing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of racing. Remember Tron? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to give you a fact that seems totally not like the least related fact you can imagine. But okay. then at the end, it's our job. What was the, yeah, at the end of this fact? We got to figure out what was the segue that we should have done from okay. Tron special effects yeah, to to this to this fun fact japanese curry is derived not from indian curry but from yeah. the curry of the british navy okay not where you would expect the japanese no. to be getting culinary inspiration from no although my understanding is that indian curry is also due to the influence of the british as well because the british caused a lot of <laughs> chaos in <laughs> around there <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, okay. The specific the specific culinary heritage of Japanese curry, which is a huge thing in Japan. If you've yeah, ever it's been to Japan, deal. it's a big yeah. deal. Uh, more popular than sushi in Japan, apparently. Um, wow. Yeah, 
is uh, it actually came from the British Navy. And this all comes back to uh, the 1800s, as many of our stories seem to be very 1800s focused. Um, It was an 1800s, you know, the 1800s, a lot lot happened. A lot happened in the 1800s, especially interesting stories of things going wrong. Uh, and one of the things going wrong in the 1800s, <laughs> much Japan, like Tron not getting nominated for the boom, there you go. Much like Tron not getting nominated in the 1800s. It, it, yeah. Um, a huge problem in Japan in the 1800s, not funnily, was okay. oh, uh, okay. a disease called beriberi. Yeah. Have you heard of beriberi? Oh. I have I have not, but it sounds very, very bad. Oh, that's a horrible no. joke once I find out what the disease is, right? No. That's gonna well, be really, I mean, okay. it's gonna come back to bite me. So like a bear. now so this is <laughs> Jesus. Uh, okay. So Okay, I'm, so, I'm very mm-hmm. sorry. Uh-huh. No, I'm no, it's fine. You put me uh, in a very goofy mood with your big rig over the road. It was a very good I don't this was not intended to be the follow on fact from all that ridiculousness, no. but now we're here we are talking about yeah. okay. diseases in the Okay, let me okay, let me take a second. No. Let me just let me let no, me, cor- okay. let me corral okay. my emotions okay. and really come in. I'm okay, I'm present now. In the scheme of all diseases, this is one of the ones where it's less tragic because um, okay. it's a which you'll understand why. So, beriberi was this disease in the 1800s that was uh, became very common in Japan, um, and it was interesting and very like seen as extremely important to to understand and cure because it was a disease that afflicted people of all social classes. So it wasn't something that you were more likely to get uh, if you were poor okay. from not the peasants leprosy. to royalty. Yeah. 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 Everybody was getting this very, very not, it's not like everyone was dying for it from it. A hundred percent of people or anything, but it was, it was a it sudden, was, everyone could get it. Yeah. Everyone could get it. Yeah. Um, and so we know now that what very, very is, is acute thiamine deficiency. Okay. Um, but at the time, it's vitamin B one, right? Yes, vitamin B one. Um, and so all those B vitamins are important. But when they developed uh, white, like uh, polished white rice in Japan, mm-hmm. then that became very popular, and it was something that was uh, seen as a status thing. But also, in generally, you know, it's tasty and became very popular. That actually removes the thiamine out of the rice, and then suddenly people are starting to get this berry berry thing. Man, just white rice is just not good for you. It's well, I mean, it's white flour, all these, you know. Yeah, we've yeah. we've gotten very good at removing all the things that are good out of our foods so yeah. if they taste better, because right. our palates are not that sophisticated at mm, figuring out mm-hmm. what we need what to we eat. What we actually need. What we actually need. Yeah. Um, so. This was a problem across Japan, but it was an extreme problem in the Navy. The sailors basically being offered in the advertisements all the rice you can eat, white rice. Oh, sure. Get it here. But then it was all it was all thiamine deficient rice. No thiamine. Yeah. So um, it we got particularly bad in early 1900s, where there were they were losing battles because they had so many people sick oh, wow. with this beriberi that they couldn't even man the ships properly. Yeah. This is a time of a lot of battles as well. There's a lot of battles going on in the early 1900s. Sea battles were being waged. Um, and there was a war against Russia, as I understand yeah. it. Japan and yeah, Russia. Was, yeah. Japan was having a hard time not being able to even actually get its ships where they need to go. And so the Japanese Navy set a high priority at discovering, okay, other navies don't have this problem. We think this is probably a dietary thing. What do they eat in other navies? And, of course, the largest navy in the world is it was at the time is, the British is the navy. British yeah uh, the U.S. Navy has since overtaken it uh, but the British Navy kind of model Navy and uh, yeah the British Navy served curry yeah yeah and they did not suffer 
from acute thiamine deficiency. That's fascinating. Don't you have, does curry knock over rice? Curry definitely goes over rice. So it was a natural fit for, I don't know if, I don't think they were serving it over rice in the British. I don't know if they probably put it on potatoes or something. I don't know. But in the Japanese ships, they're like, great, we can take this curry. We can put it on rice. We're in good shape. We already got the rice. Um, and then it actually makes the rice like kind of more palatable yeah. and it doesn't take a lot of curry because curry has, um, Wait, hold on. Were they serving soldiers just plain white rice? That was the entire meal. <laughs> this is an obviously bad idea to somebody in the 21st century, understanding yeah. how diets work and, and the human body needs variety of nutrients. But at the time it was appealing and sufficient. Incredible. Like, it kept you from not dying immediately. Wow. Okay. Okay. And it was in the advertisements, all that, all the rice you can eat. Yeah, all the rice you can eat. All the yeah. rice you can eat. So, as you might expect, or perhaps be surprised, I don't know, early 1900s British naval curry, not exactly the authentic Indian curry you might get today. Sure. Uh, you went to a restaurant. It was basically tinned curry powder, butter, meat, and then thickened with flour. Okay. But meat and flour have thiamine in them. Have so thiamine in them. Bam. No more berry berry. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Incredible. So that was great. Great discovery. Suddenly, Japanese Navy is doing a lot better. Um, yeah. British Navy-style curry became the official dish on Japanese chips across the whole Navy. Um, and they, of course, put their own twist on the kind of bland British recipes. And over the years, it became tradition that every ship in the Navy would have its own variant of the curry. Oh, okay. So you got to get on the good curry ship. Yeah, and it would be like a point of pride that like, oh, no, no, our ship has this one secret recipe or whatever. Um, wow. And that became okay. kind of part of uh, seafaring tradition in Japan. And then when the sailors returned home, then they found themselves missing the particular curry that they uh-huh. had had. They'd gotten the so used to it, yeah. They'd gotten used to sure. it, and it was like, oh, no, no, it's this one, you know, it's it's just, yeah, I can't explain it. But you don't even know how good it is. It's amazing. Yeah. And so over the years, especially in like seaside towns, the restaurants would open up that were based on the secret recipe of curry from this ship or that ship um, yeah. all around Japan. Wow. Yeah. And so people can actually go on curry tour- tours and like try certain curries based on that that tradition. Well, now I want to go on a curry tour. Do they still do the curry tours? I, well, I don't know if it's like a, you all get in a bus, but like people will go seek out like, oh, okay, these are the curries that I want to try. Okay. Various, like seaside okay. towns or whatever. Cool. Yeah, and that's some that's something that I like. I kind of was super not on my radar. I'd never even had Japanese curry because you go to a Japanese restaurant and like I wouldn't order a curry there because I would order that if I was at an Indian restaurant. <laughs> um, but then I played um, Persona Five, which is an extremely in depth RPG. That now that I have a kid, I probably wouldn't have had time. To uh, play. So th- this is how this connects to Big Rig over the road racing. <laughs> this is how it connects to Big Rig over the road racing. The, the connection in that game is that there's this running storyline about one of the characters having his secret curry recipe and how it's so great ah, or whatever. Okay. Um, okay. And then so when I heard, saw this thing about them having the secret curry recipes on the ships, I was like, I want to know more about this. So that's where that. That's fascinating. So if you're so if you're short on thiamine, yeah, the solution, Japanese curry. Yeah. Or British curry, but you probably want the Japanese stuff. Well, so you know how sailors often drink alcohol? That is a stereotype. Yeah. That is well, probably true. Let's be honest. Well, the, the people I'm going to talk about don't drink alcohol. <laughs> oh, do we get to the teetotaler <laughs> fact? Fun fact. There is no consistent etymology for the term teetotaler. Oh. But one of the possibilities is part of the history of the dreidel. The dreidel and teetotaler 
are related potentially yes okay okay yeah so my dreidel knowledge is prob is perhaps more shallow than yours i would but i i know of it as being a top the dreidel is the spinning top that uh, jewish people use typically at hanukkah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and there's like a game that goes with it Mm -hmm. put like peanuts or pennies in and then you spin it and depending on what side it lands on determines what happens in the game it's like a gambling game okay yeah so we're heading back to not all questions have complete answers corner which i know is your maybe least favorite corner <laughs> i would say that is a more of your domain in, yeah. in same things, but i'm with you on this right but now. but in this case it goes in a pretty unexpected direction so i thought you might enjoy that okay so uh, as we discussed on last time's show this is what alan was referring to that the teetotaler came up on the last show and alan said oh you've got to do the etymology of teetotaler so i wanting to please him uh, i i did i did do the investigation but to catch everyone up who maybe doesn't know this teetotalism is the practice is of, it teetotalism or teetotalitarianism <laughs> just i just wanted to be clear. it's it's teetotalism okay is the practice of complete personal abstinence from alcoholic beverage right Okay, so when searching, I found several possible etymologies for teetotaler. They're actually all pretty fun, I think. So, or, well, some of them are fun. Anyway, the first one is that one of the earliest members of the First Temperance Society in England, a guy named Richard Turner, had a speech impediment. Okay. And during a meeting of the group, he explained that partial abstinence wasn't enough. They would have to have total abstinence. Okay. And then that's where teetotal came from? Perhaps. Yeah. Another idea is that the first T in teetotal is to emphasize that it's total. Like the way we would do that in apparently that's like, like capital T total. Exactly. So total with a capital T or capital T total would be more of a North American English way. But apparently in, in the British Isles, it being saying teetotal is like a way to emphasize the T. Okay. Like our really strong emphasis. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And then I saw another one that maybe an early American advocate for temperance, this preacher named Lyman Beecher, he would like take the names of people at his meetings who had pledged themselves to temperance and he would mark them with a T for temperance and thus they became T totalers. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So anyway, none of that has anything to do with dreidels. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> what we're really here for is right. the dreidels. So one probably false etymology for teetotaler. <laughs> Uh-huh. Is, is to connect it to another word that I had never heard before. Maybe you've heard it before. Have you heard of a teetotum? No. Yeah. So a teetotum is the name of an ancient Greek and Roman top. Okay. And actually, apparently, that's the top that has influenced most tops we have today. Okay. And the and top hierarchy. It became popular in many European countries uh, during Christmas as a game, as a gambling game, played with a top called a teetotum. Okay. And there is one theory that the teetotums were eventually modified by Ashkenazi Jewish people in Germany and turned into the dreidel. Okay. Or sevivon in modern Hebrew. And the, there's, a, I think it's a pretty good chance because the original teetotums had the same kind of four sides with letters that meant the same things. Like okay. the game rules are basically the mm-hmm. same. There are other explanations for where the dreidel came from. But this one makes a lot of sense to me. So, and if you look at it, it kind of, it, it, how the dreidel came about. Like these days when you get to- taught the letters of the, on the dreidel, you get taught that it's a sort of a, an acronym for Neskadol Hayasham, which means a great miracle happened there. But 
back in the day, apparently those letters were the first letters. The first letters of each of those words was the first letters of the rules of the game. So nun was for a Yiddish word that meant nothing. Hey was for half. Gimel was for all. And shin was for put in. And those were the same ideas that were on the teetotum, which were Latin letters. Uh, a for take, D for put down, N for nothing, and T for all. Okay, sounds pretty related. Yeah, so I think it's it's pretty likely that, like I said, there are other theories that you can find for where the dreidel comes from, but I think that's the most likely one. That seems a and good theory for where the dreidel came from, but maybe less clear where teetotaling was related. I completely agreed, but I do think it's crazy where word origins will take you <laughs> because I started looking up the etymology of teetotaler and ended up at the history of the dreidel. And that's why the part of why the show is fun that we just have our both different approaches to things because I would have searched it and I'd be like, huh, they don't know. All right, well, <laughs> I guess they don't. <laughs> Well, I kind of was at that point <laughs> until, until it got to teetotum and i was like what the hell is a teetotum hmm. right oh okay and then when you saw the drail connection you're like huh okay i was like oh that's weird <laughs> like, so, so kind of you know oh but apparently by the way the original game of life used a teetotum because dyes were considered to be associated with gambling oh no okay huh. so they used a teetotum instead they're 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 sometimes used in place of dice even now oh huh, huh that's interesting i haven't seen um yeah i see a picture of one now maybe i've seen one of these in a yeah. baby really old board game looking at a, a google i had not realized apparently if you google dreidel it will actually give you an interactive 3d dreidel that spins and you can spin and get results really even if you don't know wow. how to spell dreidel like me <laughs> it still works <laughs> it doesn't even say i know you meant dreidel it's just like obviously <laughs> don't don't even <laughs> well that's very cool i don't know why they do that it's apparently they do this for a bunch of games do it for tic-tac-toe, Pac-Man. So did, did you ever read Through the Looking Glass, you know, Alice in Wonderland? I don't think I ever read it, although we recently tried to watch the Disney Alice in Wonderland movie. Oh, I love that movie so much. With, it's a little scary for your child, though. Well, the things she was scared by, it's not that scary. Like, it's scary in, it's like creepy and abstract. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, most yeah. Disney movies are scary in the, like, a lava monster is trying to kill your parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? Like, or or just actual peril. Whereas Alice, yeah. like Alice is often not that fussed about what's going on. And it's mostly just kind of weird. The part of what yeah, seems she just thinks her, everything's weird. Yeah. She's just like, well, how odd. Right. And most of the time isn't really in that much danger. Like she's concerned that she got too big or too small or something. But it's it's not that scary as far as Disney movies go. But she, I think she wasn't following the story because it doesn't really have a coherent story it's just a bunch of random weird things that happen um and so it, eventually she, it, she i used to put it on a out. lot to fall asleep oh okay and it would it the music's great and it would definitely provoke some interesting dreams so if you like the alice in wonderland music you should probably know especially if you find it like tranquil or, or whatever you should probably know about this um edit of Alice in Wonderland music all turned into kind of like a trancey um, electronic music.
Yes, I do. I love it. Yeah. So this sounds. Yeah, so this is. There's a couple. One is called the one I like the most is probably called Lost, which isn't the one that's in. There's also one called oh, okay. Alice. Okay, I like Alice. Alice and Lost, I would be the same too. I both quite like, but they take and they, this this DJ the Pogo the, this Pogo uh, turned yeah. out to apparently be problematic and uh, oh, oh yeah no. and have yeah some complicated um, stuff on online. But the music that he made. Uh, was super cool, and so we can link that up in in the show notes. Oh uh, to, no! To play. Well, I mean, every <laughs> you know, on the internet, you go deep enough, and you're going to end up uh, falling into people that uh, you know. I don't remember the exact details of what it was, but I remember it being like, "Well, unsubscribe." <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> the reason I brought up Alice in Wonderland is because in the book, the White Queen at some point asks Alice. Are you a child or a teetotum? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that happens in that movie that if it goes over my head, it's probably going to go over the three-year-old's head. I don't, Yeah, and I don't think it's in the movie. I think it's just in the book. In the book, I see. That, and then Edgar Allan Poe also mentions teetotums. Like, they're, you know, they're a thing. I don't know about them, but they are a thing. I mean, well, I know you know them now, now and now you're going to see them everywhere. Now I'll see them everywhere. Yeah, it's all teetotums from here on out. You're just going to be in the coffee shop with teetotums, and you're like, how yeah. did I notice that? And I do. I did enjoy the game of dreidel. So, what's your call then? Where out of all those etymologies? Because it's ostensibly this is the fun fact of how teetotaler, <laughs> where the word teetotaler came from. Ostensibly, <laughs> what uh, was your was your greatest take? episode we've done on this show? <laughs> uh huh. I suspect that it does have something to do with the stammering. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. yeah Total. The- that they were totalers because they totally gave it up. Because the the idea is that you 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 don't drink any intoxicating substances except as medicine, which I find interesting in general. <laughs> yeah, because it's like obviously you need whiskey if you're, and especially during that time in the uh-huh. mid, you know er, early to mid 1800s, there were definitely medicinal uses for a lot of different alcohols. Uh-huh. But um, I yeah, I think that uh, that it was probably something to do with the 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 speech and the stammering although the the teetotum connection which i it seems very spurious to me does come from a pretty like famous person like it was a the a guy named walter william skeet who was the preeminent british philologist of his time so so he is yeah. all up in the philology he which was is the a thing that i know whiz. i know what that that yeah. means so it's the I'm study of you... language in oral and written historical sources ah, okay well i didn't i knew that so Due to my study of yeah, right, language, of no, I was just telling the audience. No, I wasn't telling you. I was telling everyone. Out oh, there. okay. Yeah, yeah. Clearly. Fun factors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. There you go. Excellent. Yeah. Now and now we know. We have one. I have now, one follow up. I don't know if you have more follow ups. I have one follow up. I think we just have one follow up. Yeah. So last episode, we came up that in the planning for long range bomber airplanes. That Gander mm. Newfoundland was seen as an important launching yeah. base for yeah, I still find them a long term, which is kind of funny. It's just also a funny name for a place. Yeah, it's Gander. Um, but uh, I have been informed that we should not have been so quick to dismiss Gander as a ridiculous place. I don't believe I dismissed it. I, I did. Well, I don't okay. know. If we think we were maybe feeling a little <laughs> dismissive of it. Uh, Gander sure. Newfoundland is in fact an important strategic airport and an important airport in international travel originating from the fact that if you draw a straight line or as since the earth is spherical 
a great circle a curved line yeah, yeah from london to new york that you will meet landfall in gander newfoundland roughly oh, okay so that's the first uh, north american land between those two points yeah so if you're gonna if you're gonna fly transatlantic uh you early on you gotta want to refuel nowadays obviously we can do that in one go but for a long time you would go and you would fly and you would get to land and it's like hey i should refuel and so they built up a way more than necessary to serve the local population airport uh, an international airport in gander newfoundland for this reason and it was a very important part of the economy there to the point that i think we might have mentioned that like the streets of the city yeah they were all named after it. aviators yeah. it's because it was aviation was a huge part of the the city and then so it got built up as a like large and way more over capacity in terms of like the size of the runways and everything like that because of that. And then fast forward all the way to 2001 and when on September 11, when they shut down U.S. airspace, there was a ridiculous number of airplanes that were making international trips all ended up landing in Gander, Newfoundland, because that was the easiest and most like accessible, if you're in the North Atlantic area, airport that could actually take a large airliner, um, which w- resulted in like thousands of passengers being hosted by this small town in Newfoundland, uh, to the point that there was actually a musical made about it called Come From Away, which is wow. tells the story of this sort of highly unusual in circumstance time. in gander newfoundland so yeah apparently it was it, it it had the nickname crossroads of the world crossroads of the world yeah because you're not probably yeah. going to there on purpose but you go through there <laughs> and uh, the, I'm sure the airport have, like, code a little convenience store yeah Hudson going News. way back the airport code c y q x that's not very catchy not at all. catchy at all no. really hard to say well you know we've we've touched on canada being not particularly poetic in our airport codes no, and but that's that especially be, problematic i mean I it's say. this the cy just means canada in that context and then the qx is like oh you know cool. we suck at naming airports <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> on behalf of canada yeah <laughs> 